This is the message heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Heavenly Father, it's wonderful to call in your name. It's wonderful to know, Lord, that before we speak, you have heard us. That your spirit speaks into us and it is your breath in our lungs, Lord. And we are called just to praise you. And that's what we want to do, Lord, today. We want to be able to praise you. We want to be able to thank you. We want to confess our sins. The things that we struggle with every single day of our lives. The things that reoccur every now and again. The things that are new that appear before us. And God, I ask now for just for forgiveness. For a blank slate. For the cleansing. I ask God that you just remove it from us. Give us this fresh start. Take away all the guilt. Take away all the shame that lingers on us, that represses us. God, we need to be able to sing fresh with you. We need to be able to have our lungs filled with just praise for you. We need to live in that space with you. We ask this because of your son, Jesus Christ. And by his name we say, amen and amen. Please be seated. Confession is good for the soul, isn't it? We should do it every single day. We should do it multiple times because it is good for us just to remind ourselves that actually before God, we can actually reset the clock at any moment. There are all sorts of things that we have that hit us that are just heavy and they linger. And our memory bank kind of holds it and retains it. And when it retains it, it's oppressive to us. What God says is that I want you just to come before me, confess it, give it to me, let me remove it from you, and when you do that, you will be as white as snow. As much as the snow is outside, as pure as it is outside, as beautiful as it is outside, with the sun glistening on it, that's what God wants us to be able to experience with all the things we've done just to remove it and throw it from us. And those are good things, and we should repeat that every single day, multiple times. Now, there are many things that we repeat all the time. When it's a good thing, we repeat it all the time. If I find good food, I eat that good food again and again. And as Pastor Tony mentioned today, and you know, he saw the refreshments, and he wanted to sneak underneath the table. And uh, I haven't seen them, but I can smell them, and I hope that you have not eaten all of them, and, uh, because I'm excited for that. But yes, I can understand. If it's good, you want to be able to be there and be able to repeat that over and over again. Absolutely. We repeat good things. If you have a great song, you want to be able to sing that song again and again. You want to hear that song again and again. If you have great clothes, I, I'm actually this particular type of way that if I find a pair of uh, a particular type of item of clothing, I will buy multiple copies of the same clothing. I'll literally buy the same shirt and the same color and I'll just wear the same shirt over and over again. When I was at the One Project just this last weekend, I have a one shirt and it's multiple copies and people were wondering whether I actually changed clothes. And I was like, yeah, yeah, 
I did. I just happened to have uh, the same clothing item. In fact, uh, when I watch movies and somebody opens up their wardrobe and all their shirts are exactly the same color, I'm in awe. I'm never in awe when somebody opens their wardrobe and everything's a different color. I'm like, go get some help. But if they're all the same color, that's fantastic because it's just beautiful. If it's worth, if you enjoy it and you like that particular item, then just get lots of it and wear the same thing every day. It's fantastic. It's great. It's just super. And I think everybody needs to be able to enjoy the things. The difficulty is that with some things, when they're good, we think because we have them um, and because they're good that we should experience and they should last. But they don't last. So when you have something that's good, you have to repeat it in order to sustain it. You with me? So if you say you love someone once, it's good, and they enjoy it, and you enjoy it. But it doesn't last unless you continually repeat it. So when we're at our end of our Love Blue series today, as we come to the kind of close of it, I want to just remind you that to be able to sustain, to make sure that glue sticks, and you're stuck inside there for the long term, you actually have to invest in it and repeat it over and over again. Hence confession, it's good to repeat. Hence to praise God, it's good to repeat. Hence to come to church, it's good to repeat. And repeating it is really important. John understood this as well. And this passage that I read to you, by the way, it only took place 10 years after Paul had written the passage that you heard Clark read for us in the spoken word. When Paul had written the passage to us, John repeats it in his own words in this first letter of John here, where he says, look, there is light and there is darkness. And Paul's going to say the same thing in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians as well. But, but John says it here, he says, look, you have to make a choice. There is darkness and there is light. You can pretend there is no darkness, but there is darkness and there is light. And you must make a choice. And when you decide to accept this light, when you decide to accept what is good, then you have to tell everybody about it over and over again. And you must repeat it over and over again. Because if you do, you will actually enjoy it more and more. The difficulty is that sometimes we kind of get overwhelmed at times with things that take place. When I was in uh, California last week, um, I was at this uh, particular restaurant, um, and it's called Caroline's uh, Cafe. And if you've never been to Redlands, around that area there, there's a particular cafe. And I went to sit down in this restaurant, and uh, you sit in this restaurant. It is phenomenal, by the way. It's a great restaurant. And I sat in this, uh, this place, and uh, it was just... Uh, Drew was the guy who served me. He's absolutely amazing. Um, if you go there, you should go see Drew. The coffee cake. Oh, my. Yeah, I can see it right now. The butter just kind of melts all over that coffee cake. And you don't have to ask for extra butter. It was just made just right. It drains into it, and then it just lingers in your body forever. Uh, you know, it's made to stay. Um, but you eat it again so that it just continues to build. Um, so the coffee cake's amazing, the, the people are amazing, and I, and I went in, and the thing is that when you go into this cafe, um, there are lots of people, if you know anybody in California, in the area of Loma Linda and Crosswalk in that area there, you'll find there's lots of people that you'll know inside. So as I walk in, uh, I had an appointment, it was at 7 a.m., and I went at 6.45, and I walked in, and I sat down at my table, and I recognized lots of people that I knew. I was like, oh, good to see you, good to see you, good to see you. So I'm sitting down, and, uh, and then uh, next to me, the table right next to me, I, I noticed that there's this couple that I knew. So I leaned over, and I looked at them and said, hi, how are you doing? 
and uh, we started to talk. And um, they started to share a little bit about their story, and it was only a few minutes. And they're doing fine, they're doing really well. But in those moments, their story escalated from just, hi, how are you doing, to something that required me to kind of turn my seat. You know, where the conversation requires you to be engaged. You know, you could be like this, like, hey, good to see you, nice, now I'm going back to the coffee cake, which is actually really divine and really recalls my attention. But the conversation I had with them required that I leave that coffee cake, let it go cold, turn my seat, and face them head on. And as I talked to them, um, they shared what was going on in their life. They're doing fine financially, brilliant in fact. They can travel all over the world, do whatever they want. Uh, for all outward appearances, everything is great. Everything is going well. But when you start to unpack their story, um, they've got health issues, all sorts of health issues. One of them had just recovered from surgery a few weeks before. The other one's just wondering whether something's going to come back. The other one had survived cancer twice. Uh, they're taking care of some kids. Not their kids, they don't have any kids, but the kids, relatives of theirs. And these kids, they've taken care of them for a few years. And uh, these kids have gone through prison. These kids have gone through rehab. And they are their own. They love them dearly. Um, they're dealing with a, a family that they actually are supporting financially. Uh, a pastor who's no longer a pastor, and they're financially supporting this family and, and paying for this family to exist and financially supporting them through it and everything. And so they're like contributing to that as well. And they're carrying all of this. You would never guess this. So my conversation switched, and they're overwhelmed with life. You ever been overwhelmed with life? You just, no time to think about the past, to remember the past, no ability to actually dream and vision about the future. You're just so overwhelmed by the present. And I'm just pulled into this moment. And as I'm listening to their conversation, I'm like, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I understand. And this is what Paul is saying we're going through all the time. Paul felt this about his people. He understood what they were struggling with. He said, you are overwhelmed with the world you're living in, where you don't get to think about the past, you're not even dreaming about the future, you're overwhelmed by everything around you, and I need to reset your clock. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 where he actually kind of sets the tone before we get to chapter 6. It's page 1054 in the Pew Bibles, but 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, and this is really interesting because this is Paul reflecting back a little bit on what actually brought him to this moment here. How did he decide he was going to approach the Corinthian people? The Corinthian people are very unique. They're very different to anything you could ever imagine, right? Um, they are affluent they love to claim their Roman heritage. They have gods everywhere. They, they build their temples really high everywhere around them. And so Paul said, when I arrived here, I realized that to present the gospel with this society that was overwhelmed by everything on top of them, he said, I knew I was going to have to do something different about this. So when he does this, he says in chapter 1, verse 22, page 1054 in your Bibles, he says, look, for the Jews demanded signs and the Greeks 
the people he talks to, seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. He says, I know they thought I was foolish. I know they thought, what? You want me to follow somebody who died? You want me to follow somebody who resurrected? You want me to follow a guy who everybody else has rejected? It sounds like foolishness. But as he walked through the community of Corinth, they knew something was different. And said, he said to them, I wasn't going to do signs like the Jews wanted. And I wasn't going to just speak wisdom like the Greeks wanted. I was going to present Jesus to them. This Jesus they needed to understand and move them from being overwhelmed for where they lived. And they needed to have clarity. Because when they have clarity, they're able to see where things land. The problem is that we don't always have clarity. We don't have clarity. Our conversations are always this way, and we're not engaged in conversations that way. We don't have clarity all the time, and we need more than ever before clarity before us. I think the difficulty is that not only do we need clarity, but we also need to have the vision to see that clarity. We need to be able to see the future ahead of us, and we struggle being able to see that as well, and it is critical to this. John knew this. That's why he wrote the text for us, and, and I think that he wrote this text to highlight to us that if we could remember this, we would be able to see things before anybody else does, and we would be able to overcome all the tension of what we live in today. Our marriages will be stronger, our relationships will be stronger if we have clarity inside there. Remember the past, dream of the future so that you know how to live in today. Last week, uh, Danny Hernandez, my good friend, I don't know if you know this, but Danny actually uh, helped start the One Project with us. He was uh, one of the original guys with us. And, um, and so I'm really honored that he was preaching here last week. Uh, I watched the entire service as well, got to enjoy that, and uh, he was, uh, he's not only preaching, preached last week, but he and Tony are going to be joining me for this new series that we're going to be coming up to uh, next month that we start next Sabbath called The Lion and the Lamb in the book of Isaiah. So Tony, myself, and Danny will be preaching through this, through the book, portions of the book of Isaiah. But uh, I really appreciated what Danny said last week when he really called us to remember that how we treat each other how we treat each other is really important. The golden principle, if you treat people as you want to be treated, it goes a lot better. But the problem is that if you're overwhelmed, if you're sitting in this place where you're actually facing this way, you can't have time to have any conversations, you're not going to treat anybody well. You have to be able to move your chair and actually face the congregation. You have to face the people. You have to be able to put your coffee cake aside and be in the moment inside there. Our marriages would be better, our lives would be better if we did that. Paul understood this and he knows and he calls us to this place. And he knows that if we could remember that there are so many things that brought us to this place, we would actually be a different people inside there. We were created to love each other. We were created to look after each other. We were created to see beauty, not shame in each other. We were created to remember. That's why Sabbath is actually so important to us. We were created to dream. That's why the image of God is important. The problem is that sin has removed love and sin has brought shame, and sin is destroying the past, and sin is blocking the future, and sin wants to control us all the time. And we are all the time allowing sin to control us. 
Let me give you one example. I'm going to take you on a little bit of a technical when you see this, you will understand with this that it will actually help you understand where we're going with this. So, technically, journey starts in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 7. So, if you have your Bibles, I forgot to write down the page. So, if somebody wants to shout out and tell us where Deuteronomy 34, verse 7 lands, that would be phenomenal. Um, inside the 197. Uh, Mark had that memorized. All right, great. <laughs> Deuteronomy 34, verse 7. You see, the difficulty is this. We arrive at this chair, and we're facing this way. And Paul says, instead of facing this way here, and the reason you face this way here is because so much has happened to bring you here. And it starts off with so many topics. He has so many areas he could talk to. And he does for the Corinthian church. He talks to them about money. He talks to them, which we think is power, but it's actually not about power. He talks to them about the second coming, and he talks to them about sex. And uh, the passage today in marriage and about sex, he says there's something that's off skew inside here when it comes to understanding sex a little bit. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 7. This is what it says there. Moses, guys remember Moses? Was 120 years old when he died. And remember that every single word in the Bible is very important. It's all recorded. They don't record stuff that's not important. It's all important. And uh, when he was, when it says here, Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. If you look up this word vigor in the Hebrew term for vigor, the phrase is uh, liho uh, in Hebrew. It basically means uh, moisture or freshness. And there are other translations inside the Bible that says his body was strong, uh, or nor had his natural force abated him. The Jewish commentary actually goes further to say he was not wrinkled skin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Moses was 120 years old, and he did not need glasses, and he could still get it up. Now, here's the question. Why does Moses have to tell us this? He's like, I'm going to die, but just let him know. I can still see, and I can still get it up. The interesting thing is this, is that as you start to study the Bible, and you start to read all the other stories, you realize that actually this is pretty important to all the men throughout the Bible. I mean, from the fall of sin, uh, from the fall of humankind, it's change. No, I think I'm good. All right. Sex has become this issue that appears over and over again. I mean, from the very beginning, you remember this I mentioned, uh, I think it was last week, where I talked about the two lines of genealogies that took place from, from Cain and from Seth. And you had the one line of Seth that goes through by the seventh generation. You had Enoch. And with Enoch, he walked with God. But the line of Cain, you had a guy called Lamech. And Lamech takes himself two wives straight away. Because he wants to prove, man, not only do I have one wife, I have two wives. And I call them Adah and Zillah. I am an amazing man. I'm not like Enoch, who just walks with God. I have two women. Great because of that. That's what he's letting us know. He's letting us know, I'm an amazing person with this. And the story continues through the Bible all the way like this. You read about Judah, Judah and his daughter-in-law. 
Judah basically says to his daughter-in-law, who's lost her husband, and a few things have taken place with her, he says to her, listen, you can't have sex anymore, you just need to be celibate. But Judah, who doesn't have a wife, oh, he can have sex as much as he wants. He can go find a prostitute. And nobody's going to stone him, nobody's going to deal with this, nobody's going to address this. And so Judah goes off and sleeps with the prostitute, not knowing, by the way, that it's his daughter-in-law, because she's very clever. She goes and disguises herself as a daughter-in-law, which begs the question how they had sex in those days, because they seem to be able to go into tents, come out, and not know each other all the time. Have you noticed this? They're like... And he went inside there, came out, it's like, I didn't know Leah was in there. I didn't know she was in there. I, was, I don't know. Maybe it's just by osmosis. <laughs> but, but that's what happened inside there. So he goes inside, they have sex, they come out, and it's like, all this takes place inside there. You read on inside the Bible, as the stories continue all the time, that, that David comes along, and great King David, and not only does he rape Bathsheba, but he rapes Bathsheba on the rooftop of the palace in full sight of other people, all right? We don't talk about this kind of stuff, but he does it in full sight of other people because he is a great king. He can have whoever he wants. And everybody's like, what do we do? Absalom, his son, seeing this, knowing this, talking. His father, by the way, that's not the sound engineer's problem. You guys are like turning around looking at, what? what's going on? It's just a frequency issue in the church here. Um, not a freaky issue, a frequency issue. Uh, so just want to clarify that in case. Of, Did you say it was a freaky? No. Probably a handheld, right? Because I should, uh, I should do something with this. I should hold it like this. I'm going to hold it like this. All right. It's near my heart. I have, yes, I think so, I got it. <laughs> Not awkward at all. All right. Uh, I think it was um, uh, Iron Man, he, uh, he does this, right? He has a power source right here. Uh, this is great. Oh, I feel good. I feel good. All right, let's see if this works. I feel like I'm connected to the source. <laughs> all right, all right. It does not feel like it's weighting down. <laughs> We may go with uh, one of those uh, microphones that's just like here, which may be smaller, but let's try this. It feels like a battle shield, like I'm brave heart and I'm about to die. All right, good. <laughs> so David, his son Absalom, his son Absalom basically says, look, I'm going to take over the empire. And when he takes over the empire, the first thing he does is he sleeps with all of his father's concubines and wives, his stepmoms and stuff, on the rooftop. Where did he learn this from? He learned it from his father. The generations of influence are coming along where every man is learning. If you want to be able to show that you're a great man, what do you need to do? Bed as many women as you can. I mean, for generations, this is going on. King Solomon comes along. <laughs> wisest guy, wisest king you could ever know. The wisest king thinks, well, if I'm a really wise king, and uh, I want to be able to show to the world that I'm a wise king. What should I do? How do I show that I'm a powerful wise king? I should bed a thousand women, right? And no longer do we talk. I mean, when you get to the time of Jesus, when they talk about the, the ancient days, they don't talk about, I would like to be restored to the days of Moses, or I would like to be restored to the days of King David. No, they want to be restored to the days of King Solomon, 
pretending they're interested in the temple, but you know what they want? A thousand wives. That's what they want. They want the power. And there's lots of other religions who all talk about, you know what, one day you'll have lots and lots of wives. One day you'll have lots and lots of sex. One day it'll just keep on going. This is what the offer is all the time. Paul understands this well. This is the narrative that continues all the way through here. David, I forgot to mention this, King David, when he's old and he's about to die, they're not sure if he's going to die. So what do they do? They bring in a virgin next to him and make the virgin lie down. They said, if the king can get it up, he's not going to die. If he can't, he's done. He can't get it up, oh, he's going to die. So this should be the test. We should do this today. We should say, we should go to hospitals and say, are you going to make it or not? Let's bring in a young person and see. It's interesting that we do not think for one moment that this has not affected us today. It has. It has shaped our identity today. It has shaped the people at the time of Paul. Of course, sex was out of control at the time of Paul's time. And of course, it's out of control today. Sexual identity today is one of the most most interesting topics that we have today. The fact that we actually have to define ourselves sexually through is incredible to me. I mean, it seems to me that we've lost the identity of what God had created us as human beings to actually our sexual activity. And the fact that we actually have to use terms to decipher this is beyond me. We have so much interest in this subject that is beyond us because Basically, Paul says, you guys have lost the way. You forgot the past, what God created you to. You have no vision for the future, and there's no understanding inside here. And Paul says, don't think it's just the guys who have this problem as well. The women have this problem as well. I mean, in the Bible, the stories are accounted over and over and over again. How women are just denigrated to just beauty only. That's all it is. They are tempters and they are beauty. That's what it comes down to. That's where it always returns back to that same story over and over and over again. It just returns to the same narrative that we are out of control, not understanding what the intent was and what God had created sex to be. It was a good thing, which is what our words to remember are. It is a good thing. We just have to understand how to use it, not to abuse it. The problem is that we have abused it not only in our marriages and our relationships, but we abuse it just in our own identity and understanding of ourselves. So our conversations all the time are like this instead of like this. Paul says, I wish for you to understand more and more that this is not the be-all and end-all of life. The next day I was in that cafe again and this time I arrived a little bit later, and um, my guests were all there. So I was sitting down, having a conversation, and this other person walked into, into the restaurant. It wasn't Drew, the Drew is the server, he's amazing. This other person walked in. I had a coffee again. I was testing it to make sure that there wasn't anything wrong with the second day. You never know. It could be bad. It was great. Just as it was the first day, it was worth repeating. I would encourage you to try it out. So I tried the coffee cake, and this person walked over. Paul understands so well how important it is to re-engage our conversations this way here. He says, we just want to have our coffee cake and talk like this. 
But he would rather that we were looking this way here. That we were not controlled by our desires, by our sexual appetites. That we were not controlled by the generations before us that have informed us and shaped us and told us this is what it is to be a man or to be a woman. That we were actually informed and remembered our past where God created us and breathed breath into us and formed us. That when we looked at each other, we had no shame. And that we loved each other. And we admired each other. And we lifted each other up. And we were amazing together. That we dreamed of an incredible future and that we were engaged in real conversations with each other. That we put the coffee cake down so we could talk to each other. He, he says, I wish this for you. That's why he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, at the end of here that Clark had read to us, he says, look, you, you, you use all these metaphors and you talk about how sex is abused, but then he gets to the end here. He says, look, I want to tell you the most important thing. For you were bought with a price so glorify God in your body. They had understood for many, many years, the Corinthian people, they believed that the soul was important, the body didn't matter. And so they said, whatever you do, your body doesn't matter. And Paul says, no, it matters. This planet matters, this life matters, your body matters, you matter, and we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we matter. We should live a different way. We should show a different way. We should be called to a different way. And he wants us to be in this kind of presence. So as I sat at this table the next day, in this meeting, this person walked in and I, and I turned and did the thing, you know, hey, how you doing? Good, good, good. Catch up with this person. Nice that you popped in to say hello. And then they said, actually, I'm not doing too well. Um, my brother died last week. And then my conversation turns because I turn my chair, right? Because now I'm engaged in their life. It's what we are supposed to be. 41 years old, unexpected, brother gone. Kind of gives you a new perspective on life. I wish that we didn't have to wait for serious things to take place in our lives for us to move from here to hear. I wish that Paul didn't have to say, let me talk to you about all this stuff and then just remember that you were bought with a high price. But that's what he wants to say to us. When he talks about all the sex stuff, he eventually says, let me tell you the truth. You were bought with a high price and God has called you to glorify, to be an amazing person, to be an amazing human being. I want that for your marriages. I want that for your relationships. I want that for not only for us, but I want it for our children. So they don't learn, like the previous generations have, the wrong models. And it is so easy, my friends, it is so easy to be able to teach people the wrong way. Because there are little quips that we say, the little jokes that we say, the little movies that we watch, un commented, that we don't make any comments on, but that we don't actually let people know we disagree with these values. And we pass them on to generation and to generation, and we wonder why things are broken. We need to be men and women of character. And the only way we're going to do that is if we say that we should not be slaves held under, controlled under sin but actually free under Jesus. And the freedom that Jesus says is that 
Remember who created you. Dream of the past and be engaged in this conversation. That's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to be. So, as we start at the beginning of this year here, I'm going to invite you forward. And the kids are really good at this because they are a free spirit. They are going to come and help us. Kids, you want to come and help us? We're going to sing the last song up here. Ellie is actually going to do our blessing for us today, which is phenomenal. So I want to invite the kids to come up here, and I want to invite you to come up here as well. Come up here and join us here. We're going to sing our final song together. And I, let me explain to you, if you're brand new today, why I'm inviting you to come up here. You're okay? You can change the lights. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, we, we transition them in Skyne. Um, the reason why I'm inviting you to come up here is this, is because it's really important for us to actually be together as a family, to actually see each other as a family. Thanks, Emmanuel. Come, come forward and send here. You can help us lead as well. When we see each other, when we recognize that we belong to each other, we are not alone. It is so easy to come to church, to sit in your pew, to leave and not have said hello to someone, to not even to see in a face and say, I haven't seen you, I haven't seen you, I haven't talked to you. It is so easy to do so. That's why I'm asking you to rise. And if you don't want to walk, that's fine. Just rise where you are. You can sing where you are, that's fine. I understand some of you can't walk, that's fine. Just stay where you are and huddle with somebody next to you. But if you can, come in the center here. Stand with us. Let's sing this last song. I'm going to ask Jared to come forward here and lead us in this final song. Oops, I adjusted your mic. And lead us through this as we get to sing and worship the God together and then Ellie's going to bless us and then we'll divide for our connect groups.